The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. And if you have been a longtime listener to the Stoic Jew Podcast, and you had not seen the title, and I asked you, why do you think I made an episode, (laughs) if I haven't made an episode in a while, what was the cause? You would probably guess insomnia, and you'd be right. So my insomnia struggles, uh, my insomnia has been pretty good for the last couple months, but made a return in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and it struck me pretty badly this morning. So I, according to my aura ring, I went to sleep. Well, I know I went to bed at 1020 and I read for close to half an hour and I turned off the light at around 1050, was asleep, according to my aura ring, by 11 p.m. Uh, I woke up the first time at 12 a.m. Uh, thankfully, I was able to get back to sleep uh, within a, uh, about 10 minutes. And then I woke up uh, at 3.35 a.m. and tossed and turned and tossed and turned. Finally, uh, I looked at the clock and saw that it was 4.25 a.m. and knew that since my alarm was set for 6, that uh, the likelihood of me actually falling asleep was close to zero. So I got out of bed and started my day. And I wanted to make an episode about what my day has been like so far. So I did my usual uh, coffee and reading. Uh, I've been reading Natalie Goldberg's book on haikus. Oops, sorry. Yeah, her book on haikus called Three Simple Lines, A Writer's Pilgrimage into the Heart and Homeland of Haiku. Uh, As I've mentioned recently on my Substack, I've been trying to get into haiku. So uh, I read some of that. I read, uh, I've been making my way through reviewing 4,000 Weeks, uh, what's the subtitle of the book? Uh, Time Management for Mortals uh, by Oliver Berkman. My, still my favorite book of the last year and a half. Uh, I've been rereading a chapter uh, or so, uh, or a section uh, each each morning. And then I read some of Binyamin Lau's The Sages, uh, leftover reading from Hanukkah and going into Asara Batavis, uh, reading about the Hellenistic period. Um, so I read that. Um, and then I decided to, while I was in the bathroom, to read my copy, my bathroom copy of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Uh, I've been also reading one chapter per day of this new translation, which I really, really like, both for the translation and the annotation, by Robin Waterfield. And I was up to book six, chapter two. So I, uh, I read that, and lo and behold, it says as follows. It should make no difference to you, as long as you're acting appropriately, whether you're cold or warm, drowsy or refreshed by a good night's rest, unpopular or popular, dying or otherwise engaged, for even dying is an action taken in life. So there, there too, it's a matter of making the best use of the present moment. So um, I read that, and then because I couldn't remember whether I had read uh, the chapter before it, uh, 6.1, I went back and read that, Uh, That says, the physical substance of the universe is compliant and plastic, but there's nothing inherent in in reason, sorry, there's nothing inherent in the reason that directs the universe that could cause it to do wrong. Badness isn't one of its qualities, nor does it do things badly, nor is anything made worse by it. 
everything comes into existence and runs its course in accordance with its will. So I, I do think that that these two are related. In other words, in 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 chapter one, he's saying that there's nothing inherently good or bad about physicality. Uh, the only thing that determines its goodness or badness is what reason does with it, what you do with it. And and then chapter two is kind of like uh, an implication of that, which is that that your material conditions therefore don't matter as long as you act appropriately, which means that you make the best use of the present moment. Um, so in other words, the examples he gives, coldness and warmness might provide more or less comfort, but you can't call them good or bad because what really matters is, are you acting in the correct way and making the best decisions with the physical circumstances that you've been given? Uh, and same thing with drowsiness or being refreshed by a good night's sleep or being popular or unpopular. Okay, and then he goes even to dying or uh, or or you know being uh, alive and engaged in something. So uh, you can't call those physical states bad. Um, they are good so long as you utilize them for the good. Then the footnote refers the reader to back to book two, chapter fourteen, which happens to be one of my favorite passages, uh, and I'm going to read that in its entirety here. He says. Even if you were to live for 3,000 years or 10 times as long, remember that the only life anyone loses is this one, the one he's living, and the only life anyone lives is the one he loses. It follows that the longest life and the shortest life come to the same thing. The present moment is equal for us all, and therefore its passing is equal for all, and therefore what is lost turns out to be a mere instant. After all, no one can lose either the past or the future because no one can lose what he doesn't have. So there are two points for you always to bear in mind. First, that everything is the same in kind throughout all eternity and recurs cyclically, and that it makes no difference how long you see these same things, whether it's 100 years or 200 years or infinite time. Second, that both the longest lived and the shortest lived lose an equal amount of time, because the present is the only thing one can lose, since it is all one has, and no one can lose what he does not have. So that's a good complement to the end of the second chapter in book six, uh, which says, uh, so too, it's a matter of making the best use of the present moment. And then this chapter, uh, uh, this book two, chapter 14 that I just read is about the fact that really all we have is the present moment. So really all you have, you, you know, you're, you're given these material circumstances and then all you have is your mind and the present and what you do in the present does determine, first of all, it's the only thing you can do. You can only make decisions about the present. And, uh, and that really is going to determine the life that you end up having, because life is nothing more than a succession of present moments. So this reading this this morning after having this insomnia got me thinking, <laughs> you know, he says insom he says getting a bad sleep doesn't matter. So it led me to pose a question, which I don't think I've ever asked before. Of, Does insomnia matter? You know, now on the surface, then I, I can think of two ways in which it matters. If you have repeated insomnia, you know, night after night or for enough nights, it will take a toll on your physical health. Uh, likewise, I, you know, I'm always slightly worried when I have insomnia about if I have to drive somewhere, um, which thankfully I'm going to be driving in the morning this, this morning. Uh, so I'm, I'm still caffeinated, but I always worry, you know, insomnia can make you, uh, you know, can, can affect your, your uh, response, your decision-making ability, and that can affect you adversely as well. Like, what if you don't respond quickly to some crazy New York driver uh, and uh, you get into a car accident, you know? So on the surface, you would say, well, yeah, of course, insomnia can matter. But if you feed that reasoning back into Marcus Release's argument here, then the answer is no, it doesn't matter. Why not? Because let's say I have insomnia 
and it affects my uh, you know my my the the, quali- the the material circumstances of my day. Well, here's <laughs> here's the news. The news is whatever the circumstances are, I can't control the circumstances. All I can control is what I do with them. And as long as I'm making the best decision um, in the in the moment, given what I uh, the given what I can control, then I am making the best life that I can. So. In the same way that you can't control your genetics uh, to determine how long you have, it might be that just based on your genetics, you're gonna die at you know seventy, whereas someone else will die at a hundred, and that's thirty life, uh, thirty years of life that is different. You know, can you, you know, you can make the argument and say, well, you could accomplish so much more in those thirty years. Well, yeah, you can. No one's denying that that you that that are better results better objective results are possible with different material circumstances, but you can't control those results. You could just control the decisions you make. So the person who has 70 years to live and the person who has a hundred years, or like Marcus Aurelius says, person who has thousands of years, or the person who only has 20 years, in terms of the, the objective good that can emerge from that, there might be a difference, but in terms of, of them making the best decision using their reason and their free will, both both or all of those people can can live equally good lives. So in that sense, insomnia doesn't really matter. What matters is what you do with the with the extra time that you have from the insomnia and uh, and what you do given the state of I guess material uh, physical imperfection that comes about as a result of not getting enough rest. Uh, and that is really what matters. And you can make that you can make the best of that. So these thoughts were going through my head, and then. I associated to a Puskin Kohelis, and I think I associated to it because um, I read it in Sheer on Friday, this past Friday. So it's Kohelis in um, in chapter nine, Pusuk eleven. But then I was looking at the surrounding Pusukim, and I think they go together. Well, they definitely go together. So I'm going to read each Pusuk and uh, my translation afterwards. So this is uh, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Chapter nine, Pusukim ten, eleven, and twelve. So Kolasher Timsa Yadcha Laasos Bekokacha Ase. Whatever your hand or whatever you find the ability to do, do it. For there is no doing, nor reckoning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you are going. I returned and saw under the sun that the race does not belong to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, uh, nor favor to men of knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Kigam lo yeda adam es ito. Nor does man know his time, like fish caught in a bad net and like birds held in a trap. Like them, the sons of men are ensnared by a bad time when it suddenly falls upon them. So I, I don't know how this fits into the Kohelis, sorry, into the context of, the, of, of Kohelis uh, as a whole, but... Uh, the the that middle puzzle that came to my mind was how the you know the uh, race does not belong to the swift nor the battle to the strong nor the bread to the wise etc. So the context in which we read it on Friday, uh, this past Friday was that uh, that you might have certain abilities and uh, strengths, but that's not a guarantee that you're going to get the results. 
uh, the results are dependent on many things that are not in your hands, but are in God's hands, so to speak. So, uh, so those things are not guaranteed. So that puzzle came to my mind. But then when I read the Pesukim in context, I thought to myself, you know, this, is it just because I'm thinking, you know, I'm coming fresh off of Marcus Aurelius that I'm reading into this, or is this really the same message? So I looked through the Mepharshim, through the commentators, and I found the Rabag, who says as follows. I'm just going to read his commentary on all, uh, all three of the, these Pesukim. So on 910, he says, Oh, that's interesting. Kolasher, huh? This version says Kolasher Tasi Yadakalasos Bukokakase. So the puzzle says Kolasher Timsa Yadakalasos Bukokakase. Everything that your hand finds to do uh, in your power, you should do. Uh, so he says Kol Od B'chaim Chayasacha. All throughout the life, through your life. Um, I think Chayasacha is your life. I'm not sure. Ki achar hamavis lo tuchal lidroch l'shum shleimos. Because after death, you cannot progress to any form of perfection. Ki ein sham dricha l'kishron hamase. Because there's no, I don't know why he's using the word path or guidance. There's no path for the perfection of action. Velo l'hasagas achachmos halimudios. Nor for the acquisition of the preparatory um, uh, uh Branches of wisdom, nor for the uh, acquisition of knowledge of nature, nor of uh, metaphysics. Okay, so in other words, he's saying this is going based on the idea that is certainly held by all of the philosophical Rishonim, all the the rationalist medieval commentators, uh, that uh, there is no way to perfect yourself or to change your soul after death. Uh, The only thing you can, the only... um, way we can change ourselves is when we are in this embodied existence. So before you die, then you could you can do actions, you could do mitzvos, you can learn, uh, you can gain knowledge and perfect yourself. But then once you die, then then you can no longer perfect yourself. Okay, then he says next Pasuk Shavti Liros Takasashemish. I went back and saw under the sun Mash Yechazik Mash Amarti. I saw what supported what I said. Who, namely Shiadam Harutz Lidrok Alashlemuso. that you have a person who is Diligent in uh, in guiding himself towards his perfection. And this I already found. So he says, I found that someone who strives in this physical existence, um, uh, that alone will not make him reach the good life, uh, even though he has the faculties uh, through which it would be possible for him to uh, I don't know if this is a typo. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's exactly what that means. But I, I, I'd say that, he, that even if he has the faculties to perfect himself, so you can have a guy who's fast, uh, and uh, but his fastness will not come to fruition at a time of need, and he'll stumble based on some uh, natural uh, occurrence. So too, someone who is knowledgeable in the 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 ways of war will might not win a war because uh, you know the, if, if this doesn't come to fruition at the proper time and in the proper way. Some prior cause might trip him up. So to someone who's very strategic in making uh, a livelihood uh, might not profit in making a livelihood. He might not even get what he needs to eat. So to someone who uh, is a man of understanding 
uh, in strategies through which you can attain material wealth. Maybe sometimes you won't find wealth. So to someone who is knowledgeable in finding favor in people's eyes, I guess someone who's like a, you know, uh, has social uh, uh, wisdom, uh, might not succeed in finding favor in their eyes. Okay, why? Because uh, a time and chance occurrence will befall all of them. Because of the laws of nature, which are outside of your control, that sometimes mess up your wisdom and your strategies. Okay, then last passage, there's no way to guard against this. I mean, no way to guard against natural occurrences that are outside of your control. Person does not know his time. Just like fish that are caught in a bad net that they can't escape from. And like birds that are caught in a trap. Uh, so two people are caught um, at a bad time uh, when it falls upon them uh, immediately. Vios Indian Cain, and since this is the case, therefore it is proper for a person to not uh, yearn for striving for uh, for good in this life. But he should take from them what from this physical life what he needs and perfect his soul as much as possible. Okay, now Granted, I am not, I said, I don't really know the context of this, and I certainly don't know the context within the Rabag. So I don't even know, I'm not even familiar exactly with how the Rabag learns, approaches Kohelis in general. But I can tell you this much, that what he's saying here is, uh, what he seems to be saying just in these passages is that, uh, that, you know, once again, don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. If you're striving to absolutely perfect yourself in, uh, in, in the, the physical world in the time that you have, so you can't do that. Okay, why? Because even if you had all of the qualities you needed, all the dispositions you needed, then that's not a guarantee that the natural world is going to work out in your favor. Um, and therefore, and, and certainly if you don't have the physical things that you need. So therefore, all you can do is not strive for absolute perfection. Like he says, A person shouldn't yearn, strive, crave the good of this life. And I'm understanding that to mean uh, perfectly, meaning to get the perfect good, aval, yikach mehem hatsarich, rather you should take from this life what you need, v'yashlim nafsho kafimash afshar, and perfect yourself as much as is possible. And that goes back to that first part, kosher timsa yadchalasos v'kokachase, whatever you find yourself able to do, you should do, because uh, you're not, and you're not going to get another opportunity. So, in my opinion, it does come down to the same, um, uh, the same message as, uh, as Marcus Aurelius, which is that the only thing you have is the present and the material circumstances are not in your control. They are in, you know, uh, they're, they're just following nature cycles. And therefore, the only thing you could do is make the best use of the present moment. The difference, obviously, between Marcus Aurelius and Rob Bogg is that Rob Bogg is operating in the framework of Torah. And in the framework of Torah, we are striving to perfect ourselves. Um, uh, as opposed to whatever the Stoics think that the, the value of life is. I'm not going to get into that now. But, you know, the end of Kohelas says in chapter 12, uh, famous Pesukim, uh, you know, 12, 13, and 14, uh, the, the end of the matter, the sum of the matter, when everything is considered, fear God and keep his mitzvot, uh, uh, because this is the entirety of man. Because all of the deeds, uh, every deed 
God will bring into ju- into judgment, uh, even for every hidden deed, im tov imra, for good or for bad. So in other words, <laughs> um, in line with what we just read, all you have to do is to make the best use of the time that's given to you, uh, which I'm just realizing I'm quoting the Gandalf thing by accident that I always quote. Let's see if I can get the actual words here. Um, Gandalf. Uh, yeah, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. And, uh, and we will be judged for that, meaning that God is not going to judge you based on objectively whether you become a Moshe Rabbeinu, because not everyone can become a Moshe Rabbeinu. God is going to judge you on did you make the right decisions, the best decisions, given the material circumstances in which you found yourself and the limited time that you have. So... What's the outcome? The outcome is I have had insomnia and uh, have uh, not had a good sleep last night. Will that affect my material functioning? Yes. But will that affect my ability to be good? No. And doing something like this, using my morning for reading and learning and teaching by making a podcast is doing good with what I've been given. And that's the best that any of us could ever hope to do by definition. Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, oh, I should make an announcement here, actually. So before I go on with the outro, I'm going to try an experiment uh, maybe for the next month and a half uh, through January at least. I want to try to integrate more things into the Substack. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to publish these episodes of the Stoke Jew podcast on Substack. And if I can set it up so that that people who want to opt out of getting the podcast through Substack can choose to do so. But this will also allow me to post the text that I'm reading from on Substack and to allow a format for discussion of uh, of the concepts in the episode um, and the ideas in the episode. So I'm going to try that, see if it works, see what people think, and uh, we'll reevaluate. So, so uh, you know, obviously, if you're not a member of my Substack, then, uh, you know, uh, then I encourage you to subscribe at uh, uh, Substack.com. But onward in the outro. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah content fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss, and my Zelle and PayPal are MattSchneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at RabbiSchneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.